Good evening, everyone, and welcome. First of all, I want to welcome everyone. Thank you for everyone who made the time and the effort to come. I have here my lovely, lovely Abigail, <laughs> my oldest daughter, who Bar Hashem just got married um, less than a year ago. And I thought this was just like a special opportunity for us to share together, for me to share the mistakes that I've made, because I've made many, and I will continue to make mistakes, I can assure you. Just wait and hear the stories she has to share. And Mary Tashen to also hear a little bit from her view as a daughter growing up. What is it that she appreciated? What was maybe too much, too soon, not enough? What were the things that she felt were right for her? Now, don't forget, this is Abigail, and this is me. This is our unique relationship, which we're always working on. And believe me, we, we've had our moments. <laughs> so we're just all a work in progress, and all is good. And I just thought it would be fascinating for me as a mother, and I think for you women as mothers, to see that perspective. And I thought it's just a nice opportunity for me to have um, my dear Abigail you know, just share her perspective. So before we begin, I would love, the, you know, especially because this is a webinar where the goal is to empower us mamas to do a better job, just really knowing that we, we are the right mother for our child. That's really what I want you to walk away with. And um, usually when I do webinars, and I'm sure many of you on the line are course graduates, some of you are maybe currently taking my intimacy course, so you, I'm sure you've noticed that when I do either a Q&A session or when I do a public webinar, I really make a very big effort to keep everyone muted, all the cameras off, no one sees each other's names, there's no interaction between group members. And the reason I do that is because when we talk about intimacy, it needs to be private. It, there's no way that we can share each other's business with each other, right? It has to be super private. But because today we're talking about um, the, the chinuch aspect of intimacy, I allowed myself the luxury of making this more public and sharing our cameras and seeing each other and feeling like here it is, we're in this together, a group of mothers healing, trying to do better, hopefully, give over to our children a more positive chinuch and hopefully help them later on in life build homes where there's kedusha and clarity and positivity. So um, this is like for me a very exciting opportunity because I don't usually have this ability to, where are you coming from and where, where, did, you, where did you sign in from? So this is just a nice opportunity where we can quickly run through the names and the, and the locations. So if you could just put into your chat box where you're from, and we'll just quickly welcome a few of you. We're not going to go through all 100 names. Okay, so we have from Shlomsi from Borough Park, welcome. And someone from Gateshead. Let's see, we have RBS and Montreal and Eretz Yisrael, Mishalayim and Lakewood and Airmont. Okay, South Africa, Bar Park, Passaic, Hydina from Passaic, and Ali Sheva Nyman, hello. <laughs> okay, and the names are coming in. We have Chai from Montreal. Okay, Antwerp. So excited for this class, yeah, me too. I'm also a little bit nervous, I'll be honest. <laughs> Whoa, first time. <laughs> We're a little nervous, but that's good. Manchester, Eric Israel. Okay, we'll give another minute or two. Here's just all New York, New York. Okay, wonderful. Great. Okay, so as the name come in, Baltimore. Okay, so I'm going to be tempted to keep on looking at the chat box, which I'm not going to do because I think I might have um, undiagnosed ADD. So I'm just going to try to stay focused on mainly, um, mainly Abigail, but mainly my notes and you women. London. <laughs> okay, great. So I'm going to turn off the chat box now so it doesn't confuse me. And let's see, how do we do this? Um, I don't know, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play around with it. Okay, fine. 
Um, I will not be checking my chat box again. I will not be monitoring questions throughout the webinar because that'll completely take me off course. Um, if there are any questions that you have, um, any technical questions, you can send them in after the webinar. You can email and hopefully my team will be able to get back to you and assist you with anything that you might need. Okay, so with no further ado, I would like to, like I said, welcome everyone. Thank you for being here. And please, please, please make sure to keep your microphone muted all the time <laughs> because we want to try to keep this as smooth running as possible now that we've had this, you know, big glitch where um, I, I say that probably maybe seven or 800 women might still be trying to get on. We had close to 1,500 signups, which is also the biggest webinar that I've given, which is so exciting. Um, okay, just too bad. They'll have to hear the recording. Okay, so it's very, very moving for me to see how um, even more than women wanting to learn about intimacy for themselves, the devotion that we have, that burning desire that we have to give it over properly to our children, to give it over to them in a positive way, maybe differently than the way it was given to us. And like I said, I've made many mistakes. I continue to make mistakes. And yet we're sitting here together and hopefully feeling comfortable to do this webinar. And this is what I hopefully want for you, that you should hopefully be able to have that kind of a relationship with your child where you can discuss private topics and send new topics and that it could be comfortable enough for the conversation to happen. So I want to begin with a funny anecdote, a funny joke. So a kid comes home and says, mommy, what's gay? You ever heard this joke? Yeah. <laughs> so the mommy stammers and stutters and she turns red and blue and purple and she turns to her kid and she goes, um, well, it's, it's when, well, you know how, you know how really like mommies and daddies should, should, should love each other. And, and, and she, she just can't find the words and she's blushing. And then the kid loses patience and says, mommy, forget it. If you can't explain to me what gay means, can you at least explain to me what salmaves means? Like, you know that song that daddy sings at Shalashidis? Something with like gay salmaves. Like, what do those words mean anyway? <laughs> now, the reason that I'm using this story and I started this humor humorous anecdote is because unfortunately in today's day and age, our kids are not only going to be exposed to um asking us questions like, uh, mommy, how does the baby get out of your tummy? Or worse, uh, mommy, how did the baby get there in the first place? They're going to be exposed, unfortunately, to abnormalities, to perversions. They're not only going to be walking down the street and unfortunately see um, boys and girls behaving in sexual behavior that isn't appropriate to be you know, behaving on the street. They're not going to, unfortunately, stumble online and watch inappropriate content, which includes a uh, an actor and an actress. Like, unfortunately, we are raising children in such a confusing world. And therefore, more than ever, we must talk to our kids. Because if we don't, then who will? Oh, I'll tell you who will. The internet will. Their friends will. Like, when I was growing up, it was my friends. Should, soon I'll share my own story. But for our children, it's not only going to be their friends. It's going to be, I, I don't need to tell you. Unfortunately, the sources of information that they're going to get are going to be very negative, very distorted, the farthest thing from the chinuch that you want your children to receive. Now, it's important for you women to remember, for me to remember as a mother, even if the conversation won't be, quote unquote, perfect, at least it will be. And that's my hope and prayer for today, that after today's webinar, there's no way that in the next hour, hour and a half, we can cover all the questions that came in or cover everything that needs to be uncovered. But hopefully after today, you will at least have that confidence 
that this conversation has to happen, even if it's not perfect. So I just want to first share with you what to expect from today's webinar, what not to expect, and then I'm going to pass on the microphone, the stage to my Abigail. So first of all, just like I, you know, clarity of expectations. When, when there's clarity of expectations in a relationship, it creates a, a good relationship. I so value my relationship with, with each and every one of you, the time and space that you give me in your life and in your inbox. And therefore, I just want to make clear what to expect and what not to expect. So here's what to yes expect from today's webinar. So first of all, it will be a general overview of talking to kids about sensitive topics. There'll be some fundamental hashkafic pieces related to the topic. There'll be some do's and don'ts, a comforting elixir to soothe some of that mama's guilt, and specific answers to a few questions. Many questions were very repetitive, so I chose the main three topics that I saw were repetitive, and I will answer some of the questions, and my Abigail will give her two cents for um, some others. Okay, so that's what to expect. Now, what not to expect? Don't expect answers to all the questions that flooded my inbox. Realizing now, looking back, maybe it was a mistake that I asked everyone to send in questions. I said everyone should send in questions, and maybe that was a mistake because never in my wildest dreams did I think that close to 1,500 women would sign up. In my more wild dreams, I didn't think that uh, 800 of them will be able to get in because we made a mistake reading the plan on Zoom, but never mind. So I will not be able to answer all the questions. This is not going to be a class with a script of what to say and what not to say, okay? That's not what you're going to find in this class. And I want to also later on explain why I don't believe that there should be a script. And this is also not going to be an extensive training on how exactly to talk to girls about their periods or to boys about their developing bodies, about their, their um, challenges with masturbation, self-pleasuring, um, same-gender relationships that seem too close, um, an in-depth in explanation on how to explain intercourse to your three-year-old or five-year-old or 15-year-old. Okay, it's not going to be that. I want to share my deepest desire for this webinar, and I'm hoping that for Abigail, hopefully you came with um, what we were discussing before, with the same intention, that you should walk away a bit more confident in your ability to actually talk to your child. That's what I want, that you should have that confidence that you can have this conversation, okay? That even if you're not going to say the right thing and you're going to say too much or you're going to say too little, that at least you know that the conversation is going to happen. To know it in your bones, that if you were given this child, you are given everything you need to give this child what they need, and listen to what I'm going to say now, to succeed along their journey. Succeed along their journey doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to give them everything perfectly. And this word perfect came up a lot in the questions. Can you please tell me what's the perfect way to answer? I know I didn't do it perfectly, but what's the more perfect way to do it? There is no perfect. I don't know all the answers. And it's very easy to look back and say, oh, hmm, I should have answered it like this or like that. But it doesn't work like that in real life. And very often our kids will ask us questions in moments that are completely unexpected, right? So the point isn't so much what words to say. It's more about knowing deep, deep, deep inside that if you were the mother, if you're the mother and you were given this child, do you have everything you need in order to set up this child on their path, their journey? It's your journey as a mother and their journey as a child. And to remember that. So I'm, jumping, I'm a little bit jumping forward, so I'm going to backtrack a little bit, and now I'm going to introduce my Abigail. So Abigail Bar Hashem is um, nearing, what is it now, 21, yeah. right? You're going to be 21. 21. Abigail's going to be 21 soon. Bar Hashem, she just got married. We actually just uh, remembered that tonight was... First date. <laughs> tonight, a year ago, was her first date. Um, Bar Hashem, she's now married, and um, my Abigail is an, an amazing reflexologist. 
So if you live in, for sure, if you live in Vermont Beach Amish, or if you live anywhere in Arnstestal, then I would highly advise you getting in touch with her because she can solve pretty much, I think, any problem <laughs> with reflexology. She's amazing. She has golden hands. She's had healing hands ever since she's a child. I just knew it ever since she's a child. <laughs> so she's amazing at that. And it's such a gift that she has. And I'm so um, proud of her and happy that this is Baruch Hashem, something that you've chosen and that you're able to help others. And um, um, my Abigail is going to present a few of her own ideas. She has her own notes, which she's going to take a look at. Um, now, both myself and Abigail, I am a second generation to parents who made Aliyah, who are American and came after their wedding. I was born in Arantistol, grew up here. Um, my Abigail is already the next generation. So I get stuck a lot and forget words in English. And for Abigail, <laughs> I think even more so. Yeah. So Abigail said to me as we were walking, Mommy, is it okay if like, I forget a word if you help me? So we'll, we'll stammer together and it's all good. And if we cannot think of the word in English, we'll just say it in Hebrew. And maybe someone <laughs> will help us online. Um, so in a minute, Abigail will present herself. And I just want to give a little bit of background for those of you who are meeting me for the first time. My name is Feige Pollock. I've been married now for 22, 22 years. years almost, right? Almost 22 years. And like I said, Abigail is my oldest. My youngest is Baruch Hashem too. I'm blessed with seven children. And it's really, I, I'm going to say, it's my life's mission to empower the women of Kali Yisrael to live healthier, happier, more wholesome, intimate relationships with their husband. I have a private practice where I see women one-on-one. -on -one. I teach kalas, I train kala teachers, and I have an online intimacy course, with, which Avir Tashem I will tell you more about at the end of this training. So that's just a little bit about myself. And now I would like Abigail to share. Feel comfortable? Yeah. Sharing the story? Okay. So I want Abigail to share one of the biggest, dumbest mistakes that I made. <laughs> And me trying to give over these concepts to my children, being very like passionate about giving it over healthy, and they should hear it from a positive approach, and it should be with kedusha. And I will now pass the microphone on to you. So, okay, hi everyone. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a brother a year younger than me. We're very very close. Um, this was when I was probably eleven or twelve, and my brother was a year younger. I don't exactly remember. And we both found out some information together, how kids are created, basically. And um, we, we didn't discuss it. We just we were both like thinking about it and like, you know. And one day we were standing in the kitchen with my mother. And someone said something about pregnancy. I, I don't remember what it was. But we both started giggling like two little kids. I found out something very interesting. So mommy hopped that we know. So I think that moment, a few minutes later, she took us to her room and took down a, a box of puzzles and took out two pieces and just explained to us, here's a, you remember what you said? You said something about so what you said, a piece of a puzzle. About that, that there's like two puzzle pieces. I actually, I brought props. I don't exactly I remember it. the words, but I remember the scenario. <laughs> the puzzle pieces. Yeah. So she, she explained that there's two, there's two, there's two pieces. When they're not connected, they're two different. They're, two, they're separate, but when they're connected, they're whole, and it's one big picture. And then she started explaining to us about men and men and women, and when they're together, it's it's they're whole, and their nishama's whole. Oh, kedusha. So it was a long conversation, but. So the mistake <laughs> was that it was two of us together, which I don't think was a good idea. <laughs> it was it was awkward for both. Like, from with me in front of my mother wasn't awkward, and I think also for my brother in front of my mother wasn't. 
but for both of us together as two little kids, it was very awkward. Like, and then for, I don't know how many weeks after, every time we saw a puzzle, someone mentioned puzzle, we, we couldn't look at each other. <laughs> we were like all awkwarded out. Um, then, and, and another thing is, is like, we first had to like, just observe and like, oh, so it's, it, it is real. Mommy said it is real. So our friends aren't lying. And, and just like, um, how do you say? Lashlim with the like to make peace to make peace with like with the fact that it is real and then hear about all the kedusha and because we were also pretty young like I don't feel like our mind was like ready to hear how it, I think a mother should tell its children all the good aspect about it because if you hear about it from a friend then you get usually you don't get in a kedusha like look and we did need it to, our mother told us that it's a right thing it's not a mistake and it's not wrong and it's something Hashem put in the world for a reason we need, need to tear that but not too much of the depth of the kedusha about it that was like a little too much we, we couldn't even handle like the technicality of it so like kedusha <laughs> <laughs> thank you so as you can see right so we all make mistakes and I was so I'm like waiting for that moment when I'm going to tell my children and I'm going to do it right and I'm not going to make any mistakes and it's going to be perfect. And no, it wasn't perfect and I made mistakes and we've spoken about this before in a very respectful way. Abigail shared this with me and I'm so, so grateful and, and honored that she was honest with me. And it was just that moment where I panicked. And this is something that, that I saw as a theme throughout the questions, that mother's panic. Like the kid comes to ask you something and there's like panic. So when we panic, we don't think from our head. We're just overreacting to something. And then we might say way too much. Very often that's the bigger pitfall, just saying way too much, okay? Or saying it in a way that's not necessarily what the child is asking. And Bar Hashem, I, I am thankful that at that point in my own journey, I had worked through so much of my own stuff and my own issues and my own, um, you know, cleared whatever blockages I, I, I was dealing with and we're always constantly dealing with but at least I was able to give it over what I hopefully think was positive but it was definitely wrong that I did it together I, I don't know what I was thinking I look back and I'm like what was I thinking I wasn't thinking that's what it was I was like all panicky like oh my gosh like oh, they heard information like I better quickly quickly talk to them before I don't know I don't know why I couldn't wait a day or two so it's always good to just take a deep breath and take a step back and there doesn't have to be any panic so um but what would you say, Abigail, was um, or were the lessons that you walked away with that day? First of all, that I could talk to mommy. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing I said, I never felt in general, but that was, like, I think, the first thing that like just taught me that I could talk to you. That I didn't feel stupid about anything I said. Like Before we spoke to you, we felt stupid about what we know. Mm -hmm. I felt like we left the room feeling so comfortable about what we know. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So we know, like, I remember you, I never remember you told something. Like, it's okay that you know, Hashem wanted you to know now. Like, not to freak out from the fact that we know, oh my gosh, we know now. Mm -hmm. No, it's okay. It's part of the plan. Um, I didn't feel stupid. I, you weren't upset at us. I, I remember being scared they would be upset. Mm -hmm. I never felt ever when I shared stuff like this with you, ever, you were upset. Or you're so stupid for even thinking such a thing. Or what are these questions? Um, now, I, I, I remember um, a, a friend of mine, like in seventh grade, girls, a lot of girls knew I know. I never spoke about this stuff like in class. I think that's also one of the things because I had where to talk, so I didn't need to talk about it in class. Mm -hmm. um, that she came and asked me if it's true. Mm -hmm. I told her, I'm not supposed to tell you stuff because you could ask your mother. 
So she's like, okay. The next day she comes and she told me, that's my mother. My mother said I'm lying and it's not true. And I know what she asked her mother is totally true. Wow. And ending, I remember like a few months later, she discovered it is true. She never spoke to her mother again. I know she, she was one of the girls that like spoke about this stuff. The most all of the girls in class made, made it so awkward for a lot of girls about many, like if, if girls were like start, start developing, she would go and tell them something. Like the, you saw the girl was so uncomfortable with any topic, not even intimacy, her own body, our own development, like our body development. She was, it was so awkward being around her anytime. She made it very awkward. And, and for me, like, I just, I knew not to talk about it. And I, it, I remember even from a very young age, it wasn't so awkward for me. Like, I, I remember that difference was so big between us. And I know she never, maybe she changed, but like, I remember but then she was like, I'm not talking to my mother and I'm never going to ask her again. Wow. She mother made her feel like a liar, but she, she wasn't. But she wasn't. Wow. Okay. So not judging the mother. We all have our stuff. We're all coming from our own story. And these topics are awkward and it is hard. And, but, but still we can see that, that when that happens, the child doesn't feel like they have an address of, of where to go and who to talk to. Um, Okay, so now let's, I'm just going to run through like a list of points, like guiding points that you'll keep in mind that will hopefully lay the foundation to having these conversations. Like I said, it's not going to be a script. I don't believe in a script. And soon I'm going to explain why, but it's just going to give you hopefully that foundation and the confidence, hopefully. And it'll maybe give you that final push if you've, if you've been waiting to have this conversation and pushing it off to hopefully finally, finally begin the conversation. So I'll, I'll mention a few points of it. If there's anything that you want to add at any point, then just um, interject, okay? So I want to quote a beautiful Ramban, um, thanks to my father-in-law who helped me translate this. The Medrash explains, I'm going to read it word for word. The Medrash explains that Hashem and his basted designated the purpose of each and every limb and organ of the body, and they set each and every limb and organ on its base. And this means that each and every limb and organ was imbued with a readiness and potential to fulfill its purpose. Since Hashem and his basin prepared the potential of each and every limb, God forbid to say there is something improper because of the desire that is within the limb or organ. And I love this quote. This is actually something that I saw quoted in the very precious book written by Isaac Sher called Kedusha Sistral. And um, he, he, quotes, uh, he quotes the Ramban who's quoting this medrash. So the first thing I want to say is Hashem makes no mistake. Very often when our child starts to ask us very, very sensitive questions, very personal questions, very explicit questions, we get like flustered and we almost think like we have to like make up a story to like apologize for the way Hashem created the world. So the first thing we have to remember is Hashem makes no mistakes. We don't need to apologize on his behalf. If he created this world in a way where a man and woman become one in this way, where a male body functions this way and a woman's body functions that way and a woman menstruates and gets her period and she develops breasts and nurses the baby, right? If HaKadosh Baruch Hu made us that way, then as, as, the, as the words of the Medrash go, each and every limb and organ was imbued with a readiness and potential to fulfill its purpose. He sat there in the Kaviyachal and the based in Shalmala with the Malachan and, and they said, yes, yes, yes. This is what this organ is for. This is the function. These are the co-hosts. These are the, the, the um, what are the words that he writes here? Um, the desire that is within limb in each, each limb in, in each organ. This is what it's for. And that's, that's Salam Elohim. Our body was created with Salam Elohim. And it's important to remember this as the first 
the first foundational brick that we lay in the foundation is to really, really hold on to this truth and remember that. That's point number one. I want to share a cute story that my mom shared with me. She heard this from Rebus and Shane. Um, I, I would hope that many of you have read the book All for the Boss and some other beautiful books she read. So I was very lucky when I was a young child, maybe when I was eight or nine, and she was living in Eretz And my father, I don't even remember how the relationship happened. Oh, I do know, actually. Because when my father was in yeshiva as a bachar, he was fat, he, he was very close. One of his rebellion was family with Rebbe Shane. So then when my parents got married and moved to Eretz Yisrael, we developed a relationship with her. And I really considered her like a bubby of mine. It was a very, very special relationship. We went to visit her often. So I don't know if she told the story to my mother or my mother heard it about her, but it is about Rebbe Shane. So I hope I'm getting the details um, correct. So the story goes like this. One of her sons, supposedly, and we're talking now decades ago, right? This is going back, I don't know how many years, but this just comes to show that the topic of children talking in recess, during recess and sharing information is probably as old as time. So her son was in school and they, during recess, kids were saying something or talking about the birds and the bees. And this child came home and said, mommy, you're not gonna believe what I heard today. This is what men and women do? Like, like really? So she said, yeah, really? She said, yeah, you and daddy do this also? She said, yeah, Moshe Rabbeinu also did it. The Gedolim also do it. And that was it, the kid ran off. The kid just, just needed that confirmation. So we don't need to be apologetic for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He makes no mistakes. And that's point number one that I really, really want you to keep in mind. Um, as I was preparing this, uh, this webinar earlier today, Malki, my, my next daughter, who's gonna be 18 soon. So really this webinar is a lot thanks to her. She was the one who's like, she's like, mommy, you need to teach the mommies how to talk to their daughters. Like that's what you should be doing. <laughs> that's the course you should be making, how to talk to, how, to, how mommies should talk to their daughters. So really this is thanks to her. So she said to me, she said to me, there's just one point I, I think you should talk about. Like, I'm not a professional, I don't know, but just, just tell the mothers that it really almost doesn't matter what they say, just the fact that they're saying and that they feel comfortable, that's the most important thing. Like if the child senses that mommy is, even if she's not 100% comfortable, but I feel like if they sense that mommy is somewhat comfortable and she's talking to me about it, that's really at the end of the day what makes a difference. So the more we can hold on to this piece of this is how Hashem made the world, we don't need to apologize for him, the easier that will be for us to give it over from that really holistic and whole and shelling place. Now, of course, it has to be age appropriate, no question, but to hold on to that piece. Now, another thing, and I think this is something that you'll probably want to interject and add about, to remember that it's not a one-time talk. It's not like, okay, let's sit down and have the talk with a beginning, a middle, and an end. Okay, now we talk, now I could just like cross it off my to do, you know, my mommy to do list, and now we're good. We're good for life. It doesn't work like that. It's an ongoing conversation. Is there anything you want to add about that? Yes, stand about this topic. You, I never got all the information from you at once. Mm -hmm. Was when I was eleven, I found out a little bit. You told me this. Mm -hmm. Like when I was a little older, like until today, we talk. You know, mm -hmm. like every every question that comes up. Right. The I feel like the kids like. The goal is the kid should feel like he could just come ask questions. Mm -hmm. And then 
if a kid doesn't come ask questions and there's a like a stage you need to go talk to him but like but never put everything on one on a table like that at once right. it's a it's right. a life discussion right so that's really like that's the message that i that i want to give over that it's a conversation that we begin having with them from the time our kids are very very little right. it starts with the, the two-year-old exposing themselves in the bathtub touching their you know their the, the sensitive parts of their body how do we react do we react with disgust or do we just matter of factly take them out of the bath wrap them up dress them and put them into bed right so it's a conversation that's ongoing and it begins from the time they're very little bar hashem when we're coming home with babies and this is something i got a lot of questions about what do i do when my four-year-old asks me about where do you nurse the babies from or what do i do when my six-year-old asks me about how did the baby get into your tummy in the first place right so these are conversations where we're not going to like push them off and push them off and push them off until they come of age and then we're going to sit down and have a talk rather we're going to constantly be dropping and planting little seeds throughout their life as they grow older that will hopefully grow into this beautiful relationship it's like another aspect of the relationship you're hopefully going to develop with your child and another thing and this connects to what you were saying before about the line don't ever ever lie I say you don't know saying, or say we'll talk later right about the about this friend of yours who went home mm -hmm. and her mother said like oh that, that's not true you're lying yeah. or whatever feeling that mother gave because also I remember you didn't always give me the answer but I always felt like I'm getting an answer mm -hmm. do you have an example for that yeah I remember I think when I was 10 probably mm -hmm. 11 so girls were talking about in class that a boy and a girlfriend could have a, a baby being close they didn't say well that's that was the talk i was like really how could it be but like you need to have a chuppah and adim and like everything like you have to be married um and then i we went out like we went out on a walk that night i think and i asked if it's true for a boy and a girl don't need to get if it's enough that they're that they're just very close friends mm -hmm. so so you you looked a little bit surprised you didn't look like shocked and didn't give me the feeling like again like I was weird about asking it and you said something like yeah only if they're very very close and then like with a lot of trust in me and not making a big deal out of it you try to find out if I know more mm -hmm. like what else did they say what else did they talk about and we just moved on and we realized that they didn't say anything more than that and I remember coming out from the conversation feeling like I got the answer which I really didn't mm -hmm. like, but, but I felt like, yeah, mommy answered me. It was enough for me. And also, I didn't feel like, I feel like she, you could have said, like, what else did they say? What else, like, what else did they tell you? And then I would feel, hey, what else did they, what, what they supposed to say? Right. And I, that's not the feeling I got. I'm like, I felt like I got the answer and I didn't overthink of like, deeper than that. Okay, I got the answer and I moved on. Like, I didn't feel, even though you asked me, they said, you, you did it with so much trust. I'm not hiding anything from you that I didn't. I didn't feel like I'm missing any information and didn't overthink it. Okay, so I got something right. A lot of stuff right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so never lie. And I know this is so easy to say, don't panic. I still panic sometimes with some of the questions that my kids ask me. So it's so easy to say, don't panic. But the less panic that we have in that interaction, obviously the better off it's gonna be, the more we're gonna be really thinking clearly instead of just reacting to the situation. And I think the only way to overcome that panic is to work through our own stuff. Like, what is it bringing up for me? What's it triggering in me? What's it reminding me? That inner child in me, when she first heard about this, how did she react? How did she feel? What did she carry, right? 
So that's something where, and Mary Sushan, I'll be talking um, later on tonight about my, my intimacy program, working through our own blockages in our life between you and your husband is directly, directly going to influence how you're going to feel talking to your children. Okay, so as much as we can reduce that fear, that anxiety, that panic, the better off we are. I remember once hearing a funny joke. A kid is driving with its mommy in the, in the back of the car. You know, mommy's driving along. And suddenly the kid says, mommy, where do I come from? You ever heard this joke? No. Mommy, where do I come from? And the mother like, oh my goodness, she feels like she's going to like crash the car in a minute. Her kid's like all of six or maybe five or six and she doesn't know what to answer. And she starts giving this whole explanation, like the biology of, you know, of, of conception and, and the male sperm and the female egg. And she's going on and on and she's explaining and she's describing and she's trying to like interject that there's also a relationship and there's a connection. And, and this kid's just sitting there like rolling their eyes and saying, mommy, why can't you just tell me where I come from? Uh, Lori told me that she came from Cincinnati. Where do I come from? <laughs> right? So to be able to really hear what our child is asking and not to give them necessarily more information than they need. Exactly. But we'll get to that in another minute. And another muscle, and Abigail, I think I've, I've shared this muscle with, with, with you. Tell me if you remember it. That when a child asks something, I for sure have told you this before, the muscle with the baby and the food and the meat. Yeah. yeah right? Yeah. You want to tell it? Why don't you tell it? That if, if, you, if you try, if you take a baby and try feeding it meat, is going to choke, die. <laughs> so like every age has its appropriate food for the age. A baby has milk and then you grow, start getting mashed vegetables and on and on. So the same way with the last thing you give the baby. Huh? What's the last thing you give the baby? Me. Yeah. Right. Um, so the same way, that's how you give information. Like it should be age appropriate and slowly. Right. And some, I feel like sometimes, like, like if, if now I'm trying to think a little child would ask me a question, I would hear the questions from my adult ears. Right. So I would have to, so I would answer the same way, but try to go into the kitty shoe. And what, what is he in, in understanding his own question? Right. Like, exactly. And I even use this muscle. I don't know if you remember when I told you this muscle, but I use this muscle when my children ask me questions, which I feel that the answer wouldn't be good right, for them. Right, right. And I say to them, listen, mommy will give you any answer you need. But, and then I'll share the muscle, right? So just like our body needs to develop, our digestive system needs to develop the enzymes and the teeth and everything it needs in order to digest meat, right? So in the same way, our mind and our psyche, our nefesh needs to develop certain maturity and ability to absorb information. And if you're going to get it too young in the wrong way, it might be detrimental to you. Not because the topic is negative. I think that's really the, the point here of the right. muscle. Right. It's not that the, the, the topic is negative and it's bad for you. It's because it won't be you're right not for ready you. to... You're not ready to absorb it in a yeah. good way. If, you, if you're so curious and you need to know the answer, I'll give you an answer. If what I gave you isn't enough, I'll give you a little more. But I'm very straight with my children and I say to them, there is more but I'm only going to give it to you if you feel like you need more. And it's interesting how some children will say, yes, I need more. And some will actually say, I don't want more. I've seen this. And I've seen this a lot with kalas. Right. They always say to me, the ones that, that, that grew up, Baruch Hashem, very sheltered, and come to me for kala classes and know nothing. And yes, kalas like that do, Baruch Hashem, still exist. It's beautiful. They're so pure and so innocent. And they really know nothing. And very often they'll say to me, I knew that there was something. And I knew that I'll find out one day. And I didn't want to know. I didn't feel like I needed it. So sometimes it could be coming because they can sense in the home that maybe it's very negative and it's like scary to know. 
And sometimes it can really just be from a very positive place of the realization of it's not yet the right time right. and place. So right. using this muscle is also something that I invite you to do with your child, that when your child asks for something, you can use this muscle and explaining to him where mommy will give you all the answers, but I want to make sure that the answers are right for you. Now, another thing. And I'll ask you how you would think about this. Let's say you would ask me a question. I would say to you, that's a great question. I have the answer. And in line with this muscle, I want to give you the answer in a way that's good for you. I have to think about how to answer you. How would you, as a child, like try to put yourself back, and it wasn't so long ago, so try to put yourself back in those shoes. How would that impact you? If I said, I want to think about it, I'm going to come back with an answer. Would you then like run off and try to find the answer somewhere else? Or do you think you would have the patience to wait for mommy to come back and give an answer? I would wait. I would be very curious. I'm like, I want to know, but like, I would wait. I think you would wait. Okay, so of course, this depends yeah. on the child. Some will wait and some yeah. might not wait. But I really believe that if it's something that you need to think about, again, we want to reduce the panic. So instead of panicking and saying too much too soon or saying things that maybe yeah. aren't 100% yeah. accurate, just say, this is a great question and I want to think about it. And another beautiful concept that I heard once from, I don't remember who it was, but permission, she, she basically said, Give yourself permission to be honest with your child and say, this is a very general topic. I'm not used to talking about it. And I feel a little bit shy and I might feel like I'm blushing a little bit and it's okay. And I'm having this conversation with you anyway, because it's so important. Meaning instead of trying to pretend that you're so okay with it and you're so comfortable when you might not be, which is totally normal. Since Chet Adam Harishon, intimacy and sexuality became, well, not intimacy, that's not accurate. Intimacy is the intimate emotional connection between two human beings. But the sexual part of it became complicated, complex. That's something that I extensively talk about in uh, one of my webinars that I've offered. I'm, I'm sure many of you have listened to that webinar, Back to the Garden of Eden. And I talk about it more um, in my course and at the Q&A sessions that I offer. But this idea of understanding how there was a world before Chet Adam Harishon and a world after Chet Adam Harishon. And Rav Arya Kaplan, in his beautiful, beautiful little pamphlet called The Waters of Eden, he actually writes about this in one of the chapters where he talks about the beauty of the intimate relationship between a husband and a wife. And he explains how sexuality became complicated. So we're trying to be as natural as we can and as comfortable as we can and work through as much as we can. But at the end of the day, there is something that our children will experience as essentially uncomfortable about this topic. And we have to know that and know that that's normal. So it's totally okay for you to say to your child, I'm feeling a little bit shy. Like this is hard for me to talk about but I'm choosing to do it anyway because I know it's the right thing. And I think this depends a lot on your personality. Some people are more shy and that's beautiful. That's what makes them beautiful and that's okay. So to give yourself permission to say that, to just be honest about it, instead of trying to dodge the shyness and the awkwardness, to just give it a name. Now, another thing. I think it's important to validate to the child and tell me if you agree with this. To say to the child, I know that this is something that's like very thrilling and very juicy and very... Um, like children are drawn to talking about this. And yet I'm asking you to please only talk to mommy, knowing that our children are going to anyways talk with each other to some extent. I'm not going to ask you what you spoke to who about. It's none of my business. But how, do you, how would you feel as a child if, if I said that? Like if I validated that, it's very thrilling to talk about. Like if you didn't have this, this thought to talk about your friends, talk about it with your friends, do you think that by me saying that, that would make you want to turn around and talk to your friends about it? Or do you think not at all? I think I think we make me okay. So I think that's what a kid needs just a covet to talk to and address. Yeah, and address it like someone to talk to, especially an adult. I think they need to talk to friends just because it's 
which is very interesting. And I think all kids do that. Um, but I'm saying, like, I'm comparing myself to my friends. I for sure spoke less about, like, when girls would talk about it, I would, like, either be quiet or go away. Mm-hmm. Like, when I grew up, when it was like, no, everyone were talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, even, like, when I was already 13, like, for dinner, I knew to stay away from it. But I'm saying, I th- I th- I think that's what a child needs. It's like mm-hmm. it's like a back and right. someone strong behind him. Right. And if it's gonna make him, I think it it depends on personality. Right. Because some kids you tell them to do something, they'll do the opposite. That's true. Um, depends. But I think every kid needs that like strong person. That backbone. Like an adult that he knows that he lets him come talk to him. Beautiful. Okay. Good. So there you have it from Abigail. <laughs> but I do think that validating that thrill is important, that the child should yeah. understand, the child should feel understood, that you get it, that you get that this is something that's like very juicy to right. talk about with your friends. Right? 100%. I mean, I for sure, as a teenager, a young teenager, this was something that was very thrilling and something that I definitely spoke about way too much with my friends, for sure, for sure, for sure. So to just be able to validate that. Now, another thing, and this, I think, goes back to what you were saying about when you were, whatever it was, I think, sixth or seventh grade about when a boy and girl become very close, right? I didn't say any details about them actually being together physically, but I just alluded to it. So remember that you don't have to say all the truth. You can be vague, but it must be the truth. To just say it's a nace, like that's too vague. You have to give a little bit more, okay? There is a certain derechateva. There is something that happens, but be as vague as you need to be and just see with your hand on the pulse, sensing does the child need more? And if you have any more questions, you can come back and ask me. And that's a great question. And I have to think about how to answer, right? Connecting all the dots of all the points that we've said thus far. Another thing, and this I think is the most comforting. And this is what I mean when I said what to expect today, this soothing elixir for our mommy soul and all that guilt that we carry. Close your eyes and picture one of your children can maybe be the one that you're struggling with the most or the one that is, you know, coming of age and you, you should be talking to them soon about puberty or maybe they're a teenager and they're struggling. And this child grew within you. HaKadosh Baruch Hu entrusted you with this child neshama. That means that you have everything this child needs to get set up on their journey. Now, getting set up on their journey doesn't mean that you have everything you need to make them comfortable. It doesn't mean that you have everything you need to give them a perfect life. But it means that this becomes part of their journey. So you do the best that you can with whatever tools you have at the moment, with whatever awareness you have at the moment, and know that it's all meant to be. And here at this point, I would love to have actually my mother. I said, hey, maybe my mother should also be at this webinar because I am forever grateful to my mother because she, Bar Hashem, I'm very lucky. She spoke to me. I was very young. I was introduced to this information way too young. And she has said to me before, like, oh my gosh, I said way too much in that conversation in third grade. And yes, it was more than I was able to handle. But again, I was able to be so, um, maybe at the time I didn't know to appreciate it. Obviously, I didn't know to appreciate it. But today as an adult, and as I grew older, I realized what a gift it was that my mother was able to have that conversation with me. And actually, the fact that she did share so much of that information, which maybe was more than I needed at the time. And like she said, if she was doing it over again, she would have said less, which is fine. I, I am so, so thankful and 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 humbled and and maybe my mother and I should make a webinar one day (laughs) but 
But Lemaitha, that turned for me into a certain kind of struggle where during those early years, I was very obsessed with thoughts about it. And it really consumed me and, 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 and certain struggles that I had, which could be that they would have happened anyway. But that led me along my path to where I am today. The person that I am today is the sum total of all of the things that happened to me in life. That's what made me who I am today. So part of my mission had to be going through that and being exposed to that information too young and having to work through later on in literally in therapy sessions, not, not because of my conversation with my mother, because of other things, but needing to work through certain things to, to, to bring me to the place that I am at today, that's part of my journey. So it's all so exact. It's all such a shkacha process. And we really, really, really need to remember this. So I've had, you know, I've had many questions come into my inbox. My daughter's 20. Did I miss the boat? My, my daughters are married already. Is it too late? Um, I never spoke to my son. They're already like 17 and 18. It's going to be like awkward for me to suddenly talk to them. So whatever you did, you did. Whatever happened in the past is all part of Hashgacha practice. And we have to remember that all the time. It's part of your journey as a mother. And it's part of their journey as a child. And you have all the answers within you. It doesn't mean you know exactly what to say at every moment. But if you could just kind of um, like fade out all that external static and just go inside and trust your motherly intuition that you know the best answers are going to come from within you. You don't need a script. You don't need someone to tell you how to, how to talk to your kids. You just need to trust yourself that deep inside you know. Because for each and every family, for each and every family constellation, for each and every community, for each and every child in the family, depending on their personality, your personality, your husband's personality, it's going to be very different. So when these questions came in and I realized, you know, maybe I made a mistake by opening the floor to questions. Because first of all, there's no way that we can work through all the questions because we don't have enough time. But also because each situation is so unique. And I came to realize that how can I answer all these questions without first laying these foundations, which is hopefully what we're doing now building another layer and another layer of foundation, hopefully giving you the confidence that you need to hopefully open up this new level of communication with your child. So I want to talk now about terminology, and I also want to hear what you have to say about this. I know that in the world out there, there's this, um, like this approach of, well, you say nose, you say cheek, you say chin, you even say belly button. How come there's no name? for the private parts of our body. How come our kids are growing up and they're not hearing names? Therefore, we should use terminology. We should use it all the time, very freely. Like that's the way it should be. And there's definitely an approach like that in modern psychology. I personally, I don't agree with that approach. And I'm, I'm, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. I'll first say like what I think, and then I wanna hear um, how you view it. So like this, if you're not using terminology because you still haven't worked out. You're not feeling whole within you about the topic of sexuality because you feel uncomfortable with the terminology because you, you, you have your own issues and baggage and hangups. Then not using the words, the child will sense it as it's taboo. Whereas if you don't use the words because Torah uses Lasho Nakia. Hazal used Lasho Nakia. I remember seeing quoted somewhere once and unfortunately I couldn't find the source, but hopefully I'm quoting this properly that in Lashon HaKodesh, there is no name for the genitalia, for, for the private parts of the body. We say avar, which means a limb, or oso hamakom, that place. And it's so easy to jump to the conclusion and think like, oh, it's derogatory. See, Chazal couldn't even use the word. 
That's not the point. Just like there's no word for, for the intimate relationship, we use terminology like ona and bia, which means to come. We use chibor. The Ramban talks a lot about the kedusha of the chibor. He doesn't say anything about the kedusha of the action. He talks about the kedusha of the chibor between husband and wife, because that's what it's about. So I think, and this is something that I try to give over to my children. Do I use clinical terminology occasionally? Of course I do. I think it's important for a child to grow up knowing this is what my body is called. But do we need to use it all the time? No, I think there's beauty in talking in Lashon And it's okay if it doesn't have a name, as long as you know that the child knows that there is a name and that we do use it. And it's something that we're able to give over that energy of, of, of like I said, of it's comfortable and it's okay and it's natural, but how beautiful it is to speak the Lashon I think that's what makes it special. Mm -hmm. Because if we talk about everything the same thing, so nothing would be special about it. I don't know how to like exactly explain it. Mm -hmm. but because it's so special, so it's more tsenua. Right. More it's not embarrassing, but it's tsenua. Right. It's Right. Right. So I guess that's the point. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So again, this is this is what works for me. This is what this is the standard that I hope and pray for in my own home. Um, again, depending on your family and your community and how you feel about it, you might make different decisions. You decide what's called what in your home. You're the mommy. You make that decision. But again, if you're not using terminology because you're not worked out, your child is going to sense that. But if you're only not using it because it's tanua and it's like you said, it's mechubad and it's something special and different, so therefore your child will hopefully pick up on that energy. So then um, I think it's very beautiful to, to use alashon nakia and not to, like the words don't have to be in your face all the time. Now, I will say that I, I think it is important for your child to hear you at least once use the word sex when you're, when you're talking to your child about how, how a woman becomes pregnant or if they're just asking about, you know, they heard, they heard some information and they come home and they ask you. It is important to use that word at least once because that's how it's referred to in the world. In the world right. And it's important that your child understand that that's what we're talking about. But again, are you going to say it and blush and be very, very uncomfortable? You're just going to say to your child, this is what the world... This is the, wor the word that the world uses. And it's not necessarily a bad word, by the way. I know that in our communities, people are very careful and feel uncomfortable to use the word. Although I could tell you, if you open up that beautiful pamphlet, pamphlet from Arya Kaplan on the waters of Eden about this beautiful, it's a beautiful book about the mikvah, there's a whole chapter called The Holiness of Sex. That's what he calls the chapter. And this is an Adam Gadol, right? A big Talmud Chacham, a big giant who unfortunately passed away very young. He was, uh, he was brilliant beyond his time. And I think that there's a lot of negative energy around that word. And the point of this webinar isn't to decide if it's a word that should be used or shouldn't be used. Because again, you make the decision of what terminology is comfortable for you in your home. You set the tone. You're the mama. But I think it is important for our children to hear clinical terminology. You want to know that they know what things are called. And you want to also make sure that they hear that word once so that they know at least once so that in the world, when they're in the world, and, and they will unfortunately be exposed, that they know to connect the dots, okay? Because studies show time and time again, the kids that are spoken to, so first of all, like you were saying, there's less of that need for them to talk to friends, but there's even more research that shows, studies that show that children that are spoken to and that they have names for different parts of their body and names for different actions that happen between people, they are sexually abused less. And even if, God forbid, something would happen, because that's not something that we can control, the chances of, their, of them coming to tell their parents 
are much greater. And very often, the trauma of sexual abuse is not the trauma itself. The bigger trauma is what? The reaction. That the reaction of the, of the of either the child felt like they couldn't share, right? Or the, reaction, or of the reaction of the surrounding of like, you made that up. It can't be that that happened. Or like, how can you talk like that in my home? Or, or some crazy thing like that, right? So if a child is given, there's names and there's, there's context, then the child can come and talk to their parents. And that's so, 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 so important. Um, there was just one more thing I wanted to say. Right. So at this point, I just want to explain quickly about the gloves. I don't think I did this when you were when you were a child, maybe when you were a Kala. Was it Kala? Right. So, the, you know, obviously, I think the question that that's the most pressing and comes up the most is how do we explain to our children about the connection between a, a male and a female? How does, you know, how are babies made, right? However, your child might ask you this question. So again, depending on the age of the child, depending on what the child is really asking, you really want to determine what what is the question really, right? But this is the idea of what I want my child to walk away with, okay? So throughout the years, needing to speak to different children, hopefully not repeating mistakes, <laughs> and doing it a little bit better with each child, and also remembering, remembering that each child has their own unique personalities. Some are more shy than others. Some are more comfortable than others. Some are just naturally born feeling more comfortable with their bodies. Some less. Some are more extroverted. Some are more introverted. So keeping that in mind, okay? And we're only one mommy with one personality. So obviously, with some kids, it's going to go better than others. That's just to be expected, okay? Sometimes the father can be involved, and he can talk to, yes, to the daughters, just like sometimes you as the mommy might need to talk to your sons, okay? And, and, and all is good. You decide what works for you and your family. There's a beautiful Gemara, actually, in Masechus Shabbos. I think I shared this with you when you were a Kala, of Rav Chitza. He was an Amora. And he shares beautiful hadracha, married hadracha, intimacy hadracha with his daughters. So we see proof. From the Gemara, that this huge Amora of Chista speaks to his daughters. So, if Rav Amor, if, if sorry, if Rav Chista could speak to his daughters, right? So then fathers can speak to their daughters and mothers can speak to their sons. But more about this a little bit further down the line. So, basically, the main message that I want my child to walk away with is that intimacy is not about making babies, it's about wholeness. So, again, depending on what the child asks and what I'm going to choose to answer. This is the following message that I want them to understand. And I brought along with me a set of gloves. And I explain like this. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created this world as a place for us to be connected to Him. That's the best, best, best thing in the world is to be connected with Hashem. That's the greatest pleasure. And I want them to hear from me the word pleasure associated with this intimate relationship. Okay? It should be somewhere in their awareness that there's pleasure in this connection between a man and a woman. So Hashem created this world as a place of pleasure, our pleasure being connected with Him. And how does that show up in the world? How does that express in the world? So Hashem created every husband and wife are two parts of one neshama. Imagine one big, big, beautiful neshama. We don't know what a neshama looks like, but imagine this beautiful light shining. That's who you are. And then I'll go on to say to the child, some milos of the child, some beautiful things about this child. You are your neshama. That's who you are. And before you were born, the male part, the zahar part of your neshama went into a body. And I'll put on a glove and I'll say, this hand is the neshama. The glove is the goof. It's the body. And your neshama went into a, a body of a girl, of a little baby girl. And again, we have the neshama in the goof. So here we have 
two bodies, two, right? It looks like two separate people, but really, really they're one, really they're connected. And what happens from the time that these neshamas were separated into two separate entities, there's a burning desire of the neshama to experience that wholeness, to feel one, to feel whole. And how does that happen? When the bodies become connected, when the bodies become one, that's when the neshamas feel connected. And that's why Hashem made it, that men and women are drawn to each other and they want to be close to each other and they want to have a relationship closer than any relationship you've ever known. It's such a close relationship and it's a tenua relationship. It only happens behind closed doors. And then I might go on to elaborate a little bit more, again, depending on the child, depending on the stage, depending on what I think this child needs to hear. But the main message I want the child to walk away with is this idea of wholeness. It's about becoming whole and how beautiful that from this connection and from this wholeness and from this oneness, sometimes also, right, a baby will come into the world. Hashem created us that our bodies are able to produce another child, another human being, that we can elevate ourselves and become like Hashem who creates people. And through this very, very close connection, a baby can come into the world. At which point I might explain to the child, again, depending on their level of maturity and development, exactly how that works, which then brings me back to the mushal of the puzzle pieces. I'll explain how a zahar and a nekeva, right? The zahar is the one where he, he gives and he bestows. That's why his body is shaped like this puzzle piece with something external. And a woman receives that, that hashba, and then they connect and become one. So again, this is the message. Now, obviously, this is not something that I'm going to share with a five-year-old, okay? But the older they get, and the more I can share, and I'll share a little bit more, the main message I want them to walk away with is that message of wholeness, that message of shleimus, the message of becoming one, and how beautiful that from this oneness, a child could come into the world. How does that happen? Okay, so I might explain the technicalities. There's a sperm, there's an egg. They need to meet each other. The bodies become close. Do I have to explain exactly what connects with what? I don't think you need to explain that until college classes. But again, depending on the child, you might yes me to explain that. You'll have to be in tune with your child, hopefully, and ask them if you've given them enough or if they need more. So that being said, um, let me just see what else. Um, okay. Um, anything you want to add, Abigail, before we wrap this up? I disagree with everything. Like that's how I grew up. I feel like it's what would you say? I like, if like, you want to give like a party? Like what you said about mind. about using the words and about about um just giving the 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 child the thing that it's it's so it's holy mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and it's pleasurable. So I remember like. It, it really calmed me down. Mm -hmm. I remember as a young age when all my friends were trying to still figure out how could this be and how could this be Kadosh? It was so clear to me that it's so Kadosh. Beautiful. Like even without being married and like 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 having a like a Kadosh relationship, like it was so clear to me that it's clean thing and it's the Shem wants. It was so it was so clear to me. Yeah. And so like as a guy. It's interesting because recently someone interviewed me for a podcast on this topic and she asked me, she said, so here it is, you're sitting today, you're, you're so at peace, you're, you're so showing when you talk about it. Were you always this way? So obviously, no, I wasn't. Of course I wasn't. I got married when I was 18, right? There's no way that I could have been holding there at that point in my, in my life. No way. It, it's, it's taken me years of working on myself. And I would say, she, so she said to me, what, was, what, what do you think is the main thing that got you there? 
to this place where you're, you're socialing. So first of all, let me say, I'm still working on it. We never completely reach that shleimus. There's always like the Yitzhahara that gets in the way and the confusing thoughts that get in the way. And am I really doing the right thing? And am I fooling myself, right? So there's always that avoda that we need to do on, in continuing our journey and being more and more and more shelling with it. But yes, I could bar Hashem say, I've been very, very blessed in my life. And Hashem, thank you, thank you, thank you for this chus to, to be in this position and to hopefully be sharing the, the, the wealth of, of information and light that you've given me with the precious women of Kali Yisrael. And it's really, really, it's a schos, and it's a, I feel like it's a big responsibility that I carry. But I would say that no question, the most important factor in me reaching this place of relative wholeness and shleimus and feeling comfortable with the topic that Baruch Hashem, I could sit here with my daughter and we could have this kind of conversation, is learning more and more and more about how Torah views intimacy. Torah's Hashem, the Torah makes our heart rejoice. It's, it's the healing potion for everything. So the more we learn the hashkaf of how Torah views intimacy, something which I've been doing for the past, I'd say, um, 15 years or so, obsessively, like literally obsessively. Um, there are farm that I've read from cover to cover again and again and again and again. Because with Dibri Torah, you could never go too deep. There's always more depth. And you'll read a medrash once and then you'll read it again and you'll you'll see a beautiful insight that you missed before. So I feel like the only answer is to just learn and learn and learn and learn and read any safer that you can, any source that you can, any share that you can. And on share the with your children. Right, exactly. Right. Like we so, learned stuff from Sfarm a few times. Like I remember like Shabbos. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't remember. Like sometimes after Ken Lang, you would say, so I was sitting next to you and you would share with me. Like, wow, I just read this. Yeah. It was Matin. Well, <laughs> So, um, so to really do that work for yourself, and of course, there's a very big distance between our head and our heart. So sometimes just reading the Torah is not going to be enough. And the next part of Baruch Hashem, my growth has been really working through whether therapy or different modalities to really integrate all that knowledge and working through the blockages and the stuff that are getting in the way, because we could know a lot and yet feel like there's something in our heart where it's just not sitting right. It's not clicking. Okay. And that's where using tools to integrate what you know from your head into your heart is so, so, so fundamental. Um, now, yes, it's so important to have a good relationship with your child. I'm not a parenting expert. I, I know what I need to know to raise my children, but I am no expert in no shape or form. It's not my, it's not my co-op, it's not my specialty. But I think that more than having a good relationship with your child, which is so important and something I think that we all strive to and work towards, I think it's not enough. You have to also have a good relationship with sexuality because I've seen this with a lot of my clients. They have a very close relationship with their mother. They're very comfortable with her. They can ask her anything and they get along. And it's a, it's, it's a relationship I envy, but there's just this area where they just cannot talk about it. It's like taboo. Whereas I also have clients who are the opposite. They might not have such a great relationship with their parents, but at least this topic they were able to talk about. So it's not only enough to have a good relationship with your child. You agree with what I'm saying? That like you also have, have to have a good relationship with with, with sexuality, yeah. with your own body, with working through your own stuff. Because otherwise, again, your child is going to sense your discomfort and that's going to put up a wall. Um, now, it's not really about what you say. It's not about the script. It's about the tone. That's what my daughter Malki was saying. Mommy, just tell them. It's really just about them knowing that they could come to you and that they, you know your child feels comfortable. And to, like I said, to be honest, if you're shy and to say, it's okay, I'm, I'm feeling so awkward, but to show up, to show up, that's my deepest 
hope that after this webinar, you just you show up, you start having some kind of conversation. You have a little bit more confidence that even if you made the mistakes and you said too much or too little or you didn't answer the way you should, it's okay. It's all part of the journey. And really having that confidence to show up, that's my goal, to empower you, to hold space for your mistakes, that we're all going through this process, and to really just show up for your child. Um, so like I said, really the biggest gift that you can give your child is to continue developing yourself, your own self, your own relationship with sexuality, your own intimate relationship with your husband. And this is why I want to offer an amazing, amazing bonus. I'm so excited. I actually just like, I, I thought of this idea this morning and it got me like really excited. Um, so as a lot of you know, many of you on the line are, I'm sure, course members, which I'm so honored to those of you who who made even more time <laughs> to, to show up, not only to listening to the course weekly, but also showing up to this webinar. Um, so I am, for the next 48 hours, I am offering my course so that like this, let me explain a little bit about my course. I first want to explain about the, the bonus that I'm offering for anyone who signs up within the next 48 hours, you will be invited for no extra charge. It's going to be included in the price that you pay for the course to an even more amazing workshop. What we have today, like I said, was just the foundation, right? What we're going to do next time will be together with me. I will guide you through an incredible process. We're together. We'll workshop. We'll do this in a group together, of course, on Zoom. Um, and we will workshop through the things that are getting in the way for us. We will go back to what was the first time we heard about things that maybe made us feel uncomfortable or confused. Were we able to talk to our mothers? What were the reactions that we received? Um, all of that, to just be able to work through our own stuff. It will also be more of a how-to, what to say to a child. We will, we will discuss um, um, anatomy, physiology, and how to like bring it down a little bit more into a child's world. Again, I could never give you a script because I don't know your child, but it's going to be a workshop that will take whatever we did today, whoa, through the ceiling. It'll, it'll take it to a whole new level. And this is um, a bonus that I just was inspired to create this morning. I said, I really want to give something special to the women who are showing up, to the women who are hopefully going to listen to the recording, and to those of you who really quickly take action and join for the next 48 hours. So that's the bonus workshop that I want to offer. And um, just let me explain a little bit about my course. So my course, I named it Unblock Your Way to Oneness because that's what I see it to be. Basically, there's this oneness that is innately yours and your husband's. Just by the mere fact that a Kaddish Baruch who put you together and you stood together under the chuppah. And very often, there's so much that gets in our way. Hashkafic misconceptions, emotional blockages, just lack of information, very, very, very basic information. So the course covers all those layers. Now, there's nothing like having the support you need along the journey. So there's the, the, the platinum track of my Unblock Your Way to Oneness course, which includes 11 sessions, okay. weekly sessions, which are delivered okay. to your inbox privately. You watch it on your own time. No one knows that you signed up. It's very, very private. And you watch them on your own one lesson a week. There are worksheets that come along with it. I highly, highly encourage doing them. It will turn it from just like a course into like a real process. That's the 11 classes. Then there's a whole bunch of amazing bonuses. Amir Tashem, there will be um, an email arriving in your inbox at some point tonight with all the information that you can see. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But what I love about the platinum package comes with a one-on-one -on -one session with me. So in addition to two live Q&A sessions that are a group session, we're again, microphones muted, cameras off, no one sees each other's names, very private, not like this webinar. That's your opportunity to ask all your questions, and that happens twice throughout the course. In addition, you also get a one-on-one -on -one session with me. And I've had many Platinum members say to me, 
that the course was worth it just for that one session. Because after working through, let's say, halfway or two-thirds through the, through the course, then be able to bring it to a session and work together with me one-on-one -on -one and to really, really fine-tune and, 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 and laser focus, right? The, the parts where you're struggling and make it unique for your journey is really what will make the difference between it just being like a nice course that you do. And yeah, definitely makes a big difference. And Baruch Hashem have gotten incredible feedback. Women have said that. Wow, yeah, wow. But the platinum session is like a whole different parsha. Like it really, really will make everything so much more effective and real. So the platinum, the platinum track costs $597. And if you sign up within the next 48 hours, you also get this bonus workshop, which is I'm very excited to deliver. And there's a shame I look forward to. And if you're interested in, you know, going it alone and you just like your own pace, and you're not necessarily looking for that one-on-one -on -one connection, then you can do the basic track, which is $397. So it's, you know, fairly, you know, I would say 597, 397. It's about a, what is it like a $200 um, difference. So it's your decision because in the platinum session, in addition to that one-on-one -on -one session with me, as you'll see in the link that will uh, arrive later in your inbox, you also have additional courses. It's a Tahar Samashbacha course, a mikvah workshop. Um, I don't remember anymore. It's, 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 it's not in front of me, but it's, it's a much more extensive, um, all-encompassing course. So I personally am drawn more to that, to that, um, to the platinum package because I must confess. I love the human connection. I, I love meeting you. So the 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 basic track, which is which is nice and it it feels amazing that Bar Hashem I could I could share what Hashem has given me with others and I could do that while I'm sleeping and women could be listening to the course, but but there's no connection except that the QA sessions a little bit because unfortunately I'm not available to answer emails, I'm not available to take phone calls. Um, but with the with the platinum session, I'm able to meet you and I, I love it. It's my highlight. So I really, really invite you to to come along and join. And if you have any questions, you can email them to office at unblockyourway.co.il. I'll say that again, office at unblockyourway. That's in one long word, unblockyourway.co.il. And if you have any questions, then my team will be happy to assist you. And um, in the last few minutes left, I just want to focus on some questions that were repetitive that came up, three different topics that came up again and again. I'll give a little bit of my own two cents and then Abigail will share her opinion and then we're going to wrap it up for tonight. So like I said, I received tens and tens and tens of questions and this would need like another probably like four or five Q&A sessions to work through each and every question and a lot of them we would all find redundant. So I would say that the main three topics that came up were this idea of mikvah do i share with my daughter that women go to the mikvah and if my daughter knows is she going to find out that i went to the mikvah and what happens when i have to leave the house on friday night and she's going to hop and i'm going to the mikvah that's going to be so embarrassing should i tell her that i'm going to the mikvah right so all these questions around the mikvah the second topic that came up repetitively was about children pleasuring their, themselves young children masturbating or touching themselves and the third one that this was like i saw again and again how to talk to boys. I think there's like a lot of awareness of like talking to your daughters about menstruating and their bodies developing, but very little talk about how to talk to boys. So let's just a little bit on each point. We're not going to go on for too long. It's getting late and I don't want to go over time, but let's start with Nikva. Abigail, what would you say to a mother who says to you, um, uh, should, should, should girls know that, uh, that a mommy goes to the Nikva? Like, what would be your answer to that? I think if they get to stages, they start understanding the mother like hops that they hop something. Mm -hmm. We could tell them that in general, mothers go to the mikvah and like mm -hmm. tell them the idea of it. But I don't think a mother should tell her when she's going. Why not? So like that's too private, like it's mm -hmm. none of her business. And also if the daughter understands with 
if the daughters grow up and and like you know, so they'll probably hop once or twice. Okay. She's mature enough. She'll just okay. So she hops and she'll move on. It's not. If you don't make a deal out of it, it's not going to be a deal. Right. Um. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think it's necessary to tell. Like, what does it help the daughter? Like, right. it's not like she's going to be lacking information and being scared if she doesn't know. If she knows, it doesn't know that today was the night you went. Right. But if, if, I think it depends the kid, depends on the mom. They're like right. where the kid is holding. How old is the, how old is the girl? But in general, do you think that daughters should know that women go to the mikvah? Or is it like, it should be like a top, top kept secret? No, it shouldn't be a top kept secret. Right. So it's interesting because actually um, I heard once uh, quite a frightening story and I'll, I'll just tell it quickly. And I hope that I'm, that I'm relating the story um, accurately. If I, if I remember correctly, the story was about Rebanish Finkel's wife and she survived. I don't know if she died. I think she survived the Holocaust or maybe she left right before. I don't know. I don't know the history, unfortunately. But basically, she had a dream three nights in a row that her friend's mother came to her and said, how can you allow my daughter to live in sin? And she was very shaken up. And of course, her husband said to her, dreams mean nothing, go back to sleep. But when this repeated itself three nights in a row, she realized that there's something here. She decided she has to find this friend. Lo and behold, to make a long story short, she found this friend in some kibbutz in Eretz Yisrael. And she went to her and they met up and it was very, very emotional, this meeting. again. they both thought that the other was dead. And unfortunately, what she saw was a secular-looking woman. And she said to her, do you, do you keep halacha? Do you keep kosher? Like, so she said, everything my mama did, I do. I light candles before shkia. I, you know, I, maybe I say a bracha. I, I kosher chicken. Like, whatever the things that she remembers. She was a little girl at the time. The things that she remembers. And she says, and what about mikvah? So she says, mikvah? She says, yeah, what about going to, to the mikvah after you get your period? She says, oh, my mama never did that. And she tried to convince her and explain to her that, yes, your mother did go to the mikvah. It was very sanua, very private. But of course, your mother went, went to the mikvah. And I don't know the end of the story. Did she manage to convince her or not? I don't remember the, if it was a happy ending or a sad ending. But I heard this from someone very chashev. And she said, every girl must know from the time that she's little and she starts asking and she so, shows interest. Don't brush her off. Yes, women go to the mikvah. We don't have to tell them why. We don't have to tell them when. Just like we, Kaylin go to the mikvah and Tati go to the mikvah sometimes. Right. We make a bigger deal out of it because, again, we panic. We feel uncomfortable and we think we have to tell them everything. Just, yeah, women go to the mikvah. Sometimes women go to the mikvah. I remember once my sister-in-law telling me how um, she, the way she, like, in her head, she knew that, like, a call goes to the mikvah. So she said she remembers once hearing that, um, that the wedding day is like Yom Kippur. And she knows that some women have a minhag to go to the mikvah on Arab Yom Kippur. So in her mind, she like put two and two together. Oh, Akala goes to the mikvah because it's like Yom Kippur, right? So her in her little girl mind, she was able to like put the pieces together and make sense of it. And that works for her. And that's great. So your child might connect the dots and maybe she won't connect them right. But at least she'll know that a Jewish woman goes to the mikvah. We don't know. We should never be tested. We don't know what nistionos might come our way, what gullus our daughters might go through. But we want to make sure that a woman knows, that a daughter knows, yes, women go to the mikvah. So that's as far as, as mikvah. Yes, girls should know that you go to the mikvah. And, re, you know, regarding the fear that they're going to find out and they're going to figure things out. So I think you answered very beautifully. If a girl is mature, then she hopefully won't say anything. And I think that um, when women ask this question of like, what am I going to say to her? And it's going to be Friday night and I'm just going to disappear. I don't see it as a mikvah question. I see it as a chinuch question. Why does your daughter need to know where you're going? Right. We want to establish our motherhood in a way where it's very clear that mommy has a private life and it's none of your business. Get used to going out without telling your daughter. 
sometimes don't put on makeup on Friday night if you need to, so that you don't, you know, so that it's not apparent if that's what you need to do. But mommy has to go out. Where are you going? Mommy has to go out. And randomly, if you have to take care of something, mommy has to go right now in my room and I have to take care of something. Like there should be a little bit of an air of secrecy about you, not because there's taboo or you're trying to hide anything, but because you're the mother. There's a hierarchy. It's not mom and daughter at the same level, right? It's not like we're best friends. I'm the mommy. So I think establishing that standard in the home has less to do with mikvah. It's like a symptom in my eyes of something in the chinuch that needs to be adjusted. It's none of your child's business what goes on in your private life. And if your child presses and presses and presses, you can say, it's none of your business. Mommy, I have to take care of something. Oh, mommy, I know you went to the mikvah. Okay, fine. If that's what you think, you can choose to think whatever you want, right? But I think that if this is something that you work through and you're comfortable with, and, and you know that, yes, of course, your daughter should know about mikvah, and at the same time, not be threatened by that, I think that that's an important balance to try to, to create. I think the more, the less, if the mother doesn't make a big deal out of it and get, just go, she wants to go on a walk for Shabbos night or do whatever she needs to do, go to a friend, whatever, and it's not, a, and her energy is not a big deal about it. And even if the daughter will figure out, like, so she hops them in and she moves on. She won't like get stuck on get, it. No. Right, right, right. Okay, if it's so a big deal, then again, it's personality also, but it's also, if it's a big deal, then what's the big deal? You try to get into like, why is mommy so nervous? Why is mommy hiding? What is like, right. so they can make it even scary for a kid. Right. Mommy's going somewhere and she can't tell me where and she's so nervous. Mm -hmm. No, she's going somewhere. None of her business. It's not a big deal. It's that close. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good. So hopefully that helps a little bit with like the Mikva question. The other question that kept them coming up a lot was about um, children self-pleasuring. So here again, I'm, I'm just going to keep it very short and sweet. In most cases, children touching themselves and exploring themselves is completely natural. And Rav Shach says that the biggest cloud, the golden rule in Chinuch is for most things, just turn an eye. Pretend you didn't see, pretend you didn't notice as much as you can. If it's becoming like inappropriate because it's in public and it's making other people feel uncomfortable and you want to say to your child, please don't do this in public. It makes people feel uncomfortable. You don't have to get into a whole explanation of why. That's the giving too much information. Just state the fact. It's just, you know, please go wash your hands. But as long as you can just ignore it, in most cases, it will self-resolve and a child will just move on. And even if they continue to do it, they'll do it privately and they'll hop that it's not something that you do in public and it's something that eventually they might feel embarrassed or uncomfortable about. So I, I wouldn't make too much of a deal about it. But if you see that it is something that's repetitive and isn't stopping, then I would consult with a child psychologist. You want to consult with someone reserved. You don't want to go to someone who's right away going to like put the kids on pills for anxiety. Okay. Like you want to really talk it through with someone who's wise, who has experience, who's not going to panic, who has like a holistic approach to these things. But yes, to look into it and, 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 and try to figure out maybe there's something going on that we've missed. Maybe the or the child was molested, or maybe the child has been exposed to inappropriate content. Like there is what to check out. But I don't want you to take this now and get all nervous and start like monitoring your children. No, 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 no. In most cases, it's just a natural stage of development and it will pass and just let it be. And don't make a deal out of it as long as it's not making other people feel uncomfortable. And if it is being done publicly, then just say to your child, please don't do this in public without getting into too much detail and too much explanation. I personally think that that's the healthiest way to go about it. And the third topic that came up a lot, the third question was how to talk to boys. So here again, because we're really running out of time, I will just say a few points to think about. Revolba in his book, Zuria Ubinyan Bechinuch, he says something so beautiful. He says, fathers do such a good job at preparing their sons for laning and teaching them how to put on tefillin and everything they need to do, you know, be a, you know, give their bar mitzvah drasha. So few fathers are teaching their boys about puberty, about their bodies developing. And sometimes the father can't do it. So you should do it. But basically the message, again, I'm not going to give you a script. 
But the message that you want to give your child is your body is going to begin to develop. You're going to start to feel certain things. You're going to be drawn to the other gender. And this is all in preparation for you becoming a father one day in Kali Yisrael. And the older you get, the more we'll talk about this. And Amir Tashem, in the workshop that I'm going to give to the women who sign up within the next 48 hours, we'll go into this in more depth and exactly what to say and how to say to explain to the child about their body to explain about sperm to explain about Zerla to give it over positively without creating anxiety but at the same time yes to know that there are certain sperm all of that Amir Tashem we will cover in greater depth in the in that workshop but just again for those of you who just want to take something from today the, the message you want to give over is this is in preparation for you becoming a father these are cohorts of Kedusha that will build quality I, I remember like because also girls could start feeling feelings like when they, when they get a little older and i remember like when, when i spoke to you about like i'm feeling this and i think that and i feel attracted to, to boys and like it was like i remember being weird and boys still like hate boys mm -hmm. <laughs> and then and like you gave me a thing that's so exciting mm -hmm. so exciting it means your, your body's becoming ready to be a woman and so beautiful to be a woman i remember being excited exciting I remember so it's different but like the same idea like when I got my period I was in school I was so excited all the time I was like really excited because I knew you're gonna be so excited it's not no, honey you need to be like like boys especially like you need to be careful and watch over yourself and like have your out and like everything's gonna have its right like I mean, time and place but, but it's exciting it's a good thing it means you're developing it means your body's working like thank you Hashem my body's working right. remember you're so ex like thank you Hashem thank you Hashem like right. Right. so that I got from Safta Safta was always like that <laughs> my mother always very very proud of being a woman and always very thankful and so much gratitude so the same really when it goes to talking to boys and really I like to connect this to Yosef Atzadik Yosef Atzadik who his midah the midah bestowed which is what imbued all the boys and the men of Kali Yisrael the 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 inner strength, that resilience to withstand tremendous nisyonos. And Yosef is called a tzaddik, not because he was like Yaakov Avinu, who was the Ish Tam Yoshev Ohalim, who sat and studied Torah in the tent. He was out there in the world. He was thrown into such a oppressed world, into Mitzrayim, which was the, 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 like the center of perversion that existed in, in that time. And he was so close to, to sinning with the wife of Potiphar, we don't even realize how close he was. And at that last moment, to be able to, you know, the, 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 the countenance of, of Yaakov being his father appeared, and he was able to get up and run out, the koach that that required, the gevurah that that required, that's Yosef HaTzadik, and he's called a tzadik, not because he didn't fall, but because he almost fell and he got up. Sheva Yipol Tzadik become, and that's, I think, the message that we want to give our our sons, that we're going to fall, but we're going to get up. And that's the that's that message of, 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 of freedom, of it's okay to make a mistake. We don't make them on purpose. But if we do, we pick ourselves up and we move on. And that's the tzaddik. This is also my message to you, dear mamas on the line, all the Jewish, you know, beautiful Jewish mothers here on the line, um, and all the many that will be listening to this recording, which, again, I apologize about this um, this misunderstanding that I had with Zoom. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say too much. We're going to say too little. We're going to panic. We're going to still have so much stuff that we need to work through. And it's okay as long as you get up again and you try again and you try to have the conversation again. And even if you make a fool out of yourself and you do it again and you just give your child that message, mommy is working on herself. Mommy is growing. I'm in a process. You're in a process. We're in a journey. And I'm here for you. And let's try to navigate this new level of relationship together 
because it's a relationship that begins when our children are little and it goes on and on now that you're married and you're a married woman you'll be blessed with children pregnancies births right it's a whole new level of relationship which i'm looking forward to and um i hope you feel the same yeah sure <laughs> and um it's very very special and it's something that that i that i cherish and i treasure and i thank hashem for each and every day so i wish you all that you all also have from your children but mainly not from yourself belief in yourself that you're doing the best that you can and showing up for this webinar and for those of you that are going to take quick action and and join the online course especially those of you that are going to join the platinum tracks so that you and i can meet <laughs> and that we can have a session together and have that extra guided um you know that, that guided relationship and samir Tashem, really really just keep on moving onward and upward so that we should be blessed that that next generation of, of our children and our grandchildren should grow into a world that's healthier, that's more wholesome, that's more real, a world where it's more connected. If in the olden days, we could somehow get by without talking to our children. In today's world, we must, we must. There's no way that we can't. Dafka, because the tuma and the pritzos and everything that goes on has become so much more extreme and it's so much more available to our children. That's why more than ever, we must step up to the plate and have the conversation. It might not be perfect, and you might have what to still work through, but at least have that conversation. Begin it and continue it for, for, for years to come. So again, thank you so much for being on the line with me, and I wish you all a good night. Thank you.